My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God. And today we're continuing our journey through the book of Esther, this wonderful story that uh, looks like it's just come straight out of Hollywood. And we are now up to chapter 6. And we have here the hatred of Haman has just been revealed. And he's come up with this plan. And he was invited to a banquet with just the king and the queen, Queen Esther. He comes to the banquet. At that banquet, the king says, what do you want, Esther? And Esther says, I would actually like you to come again to a banquet another night in 24 hours' time. She didn't reveal. Why? Because God needed to put all the pieces of the plan together. And there was something very significant that had to happen between that first banquet that Esther invited the king and Haman to and the second one 24 hours later. And we're about to see all that play out here in this chapter. So Haman goes to sleep that night. He's got a great plan. He's going to have this massive gallows made, this massive spike to kill Mordecai in a horrible way. And the king also goes to bed that night. But this is what happens to the king as he tries to go to sleep in verse 1. That night the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles. And they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And then the king said, what honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this, the fact that he saved my life? And the king's servants who had attended him said, nothing has been done for him. Nothing's been done for Mordecai. What happens when you can't sleep? You, you try to get a book and you try to read. You try to get your eyes really tired and drippy. And that's exactly what King Ahasuerus did, hoping that reading would make, make him sleepy. And he couldn't find any sleep. So what happens? They bring a book. But the book that they bring just shows the incredible providence of God. King Ahasuerus cannot sleep. He says, bring me a book, Okay. Bring me a book of the records of the Chronicles. Think about all the things that he could have done or he could have asked for. So, the person that he asked to bring him a book could have brought him any book of the Chronicles. Uh, But he brought that particular book that had the story of Mordecai from a previous time. Now, When the person reading the book opened it, they could have opened it at any page. They just so happened to open it at the page of the story about Mordecai, who found the plot to assassinate the king, told Esther. Esther verifies it through the king, and the king says, thank you, Mordecai. So then the king says, what have we done for Mordecai that he saved my life? God was guiding every single step of this. Do you see? God's guiding how Esther asked the the king and Haman to a banquet. And then he says, so what do you want? She says, I want you to come back to another banquet in 24 hours time. And we would be like, why? Why would you do that? God had a plan. He wanted 
Ahasuerus to have a bad night's sleep so that he would ask for the Chronicles. He wanted the Chronicles to be brought to him. He wanted the Chronicles to be opened at the page that revealed that Mordecai had saved the king's life but had not been rewarded for it. See, God always uses the details of the moments for his plan. And sometimes we don't understand what he's doing. We don't, we don't know what he's up to. Um, just as most kings had a book of chronicles, which is basically a book of remembrance, it was a way for them to chronicle what had happened during their reign. Uh, God also has a book of remembrance. Malachi chapter 3, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance, book of Chronicles, was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Think about that. You have to, it's chronicle what we're doing in his name. So King Ahasuerus says, What have we done for Mordecai? Uh, what did they say? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So we move on to verse 4. So the king said, who is in the court? Now, remember, this is him trying to sleep. Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang, hang Mordecai on the gallows that he prepared for him. And the king's servant said to him, Haman is there. He's standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. You can see how it's all playing out, right? Uh, it wasn't any coincidence that Haman happened to be in the king's court at just that very moment. It was no coincidence that Haman decides that he's going to choose that moment. He can't go to sleep and wake up the next morning and ask to see if Mordecai can be killed. No, he's, he's got to go and do it now. And it was no coincidence that the king had in his mind to honour Mordecai at the same time that Haman had it in his mind to murder Mordecai. And if we learn anything from this incredible book, it shows us that God manages the affairs of our lives even without our knowledge. God knows what he's doing. There's no coincidences. There's no surprises. Esther wasn't just lucky to be Queen, David Guzik says. Mordecai wasn't lucky to, be over, to have overheard the assassination plot. It wasn't luck or chance that made Haman enter the royal courts at this time with this heart. All of these events were orchestrated by God and not by luck. Now, this becomes difficult for us to navigate when bad things happen to us. Because it's easy to see God being behind everything when good things happen to us. But what about when bad things happen? That's where total trust and faith in God must remain in the most steadfast parts of our heart. Because we have to understand that Romans 8.28 is a verse for your life and my life. For we know that all things work together for good to them who are the called and called according to God's purpose. See, um, not all things are good, but all things will be worked together for good. We understand that if you just take one event in isolation, it may not be good. But when, when we see all of them together, we see God somehow working things together for good. He always has a plan. We live our lives in desperation because we think he doesn't have a plan. 
And if we don't plead enough with him, he won't come up with one, but he will because he loves you. But he also has eternal purposes in mind that involve more than just you. So then we have verse 6. So Haman came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honour? Now, remember, these two men are coming at this conversation from different angles. The king, Ahasuerus, has just read in the Chronicles a reminder that Mordecai saved his life by revealing an assassination plot and he can't believe that nothing's been done to honour Mordecai. Haman's coming to the king with a desire to ask the king if he can kill Mordecai. So the king says to Haman, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honour? Now Haman thought in his heart, in verse 6, whom would the king delight to honour more than me? He immediately thought it was about him. This is how incredibly insecure and prideful he was. God arranged all of these things so his people, the Jewish people, would be protected, but also so that both Mordecai and Haman would both get what they had coming to them. I think it's so sad that Haman fell into the trap of pride. Well, obviously he must be talking about me because I'm amazing. Uh, God often allows us to fall in our own pride. Pride comes before a fall. It's, 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 it's there. It's written in the Word of God. And Haman's pride and his arrogance were going to cause him to be humiliated and come to a horrible end. Verse 7, Haman answered the king, Well, for the man whom the king delights to honour, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of the one of one of the king's most noble princes, that they he may array the man whom the king delights to honour. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honour. Haman has this incredible desire to be praised and honoured by everybody and he asks for things that don't really matter to anybody apart from trying to appeal to his own sense of pride. Uh, Haman was just such a tragic figure because he just lived for the applause of men and women. And look, it's good and appropriate, I think, to be applauded for good things that you do here on earth. But I think it's tragic when people live their lives seeking it. We should instead seek approval from God and then we do what he asks us to do, which is what Mordecai and Esther were trying to do. So, King says, what shall be done to honour this man, he's thinking about Mordecai. Haman thinks he's talking about him, so he comes up with this ridiculous plan. And then we have the king's response. Then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robe and the horse, as you have suggested. You can just imagine Haman going, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to make me look so amazing. Oh, this is, this is working perfectly. 
Take the robe and the horse as you've suggested. Do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gates. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, thus shall it be done to the man who delights, the king delights to honour. Oh man, wouldn't you have loved to have seen the face of Haman in that moment? That would have been absolutely amazing. To see that he took his advice completely, but applied it to his mortal enemy. The man that Haman was walking in to ask for his execution. Uh, I cannot imagine how humiliated Haman would have felt parading Mordecai through the city streets in such a public way. So then we move on to verse 12. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. And when Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. And while they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Remember, she'd had another banquet prepared for the next night. Um, Haman's pride had taken a severe blow. And what I think is absolutely amazing is that these same people who, when Haman was telling them about Mordecai, said, you know what you need to do? You need to totally publicly humiliate this guy. You need to just totally just like, let's build a massive gallows. Then after they see that they've kind of backed the losing side, they're like, oh man, if if you, if if Mordecai's got like a whole Jewish people, like you've got no hope, dude, I'm sorry. Sorry, uh, but we're out. Fair weather friends, they were. That's exactly what they were. It's amazing. Uh how accurately his wife and friends saw actually how this was going to play out, that Haman was not going to prevail against Mordecai. It, it's, it's so much like that in life is, you know, when you have people who are supporting you in doing things that are not of God, they will be all for you. But when they don't go well, they just flee. And it's the true friends that stick with you as you are trying to do the things that God has called you to do. And sometimes that means that they will say things to you and they'll give you counsel that you don't want to hear. Sometimes you will feel called to do something and a friend might say, hey, listen, I feel like you need to slow down. I just feel like that God just wants you, he's got a few more pieces to put together. And you're like, I can't believe you're telling me to slow down. Or other times and you feel God's asked you to do something and you're procrastinating and a, and a friend says, hey, listen, I, I think you, you're kind of spinning here. God's given you everything. There's nothing more coming. It's now up to you. Now you need to do it. Remember what the Bible says, Jesus said, whoever hears my saying, these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise person. See, this is how we have to understand. True friendship means that people will speak honestly. They won't just puff us up in the good times and leave us in the bad times. They're always there. So that's my observation. What do you observe? out of this chapter as we come to the end of chapter 6 and this story is really starting to get uh, to its zenith right here. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the determination 
of Mordecai through this whole wonderful story. And I thank you, Lord, that you are always working in the details. And I, I pray, Lord, that people watching this right now would understand that you are working in the details of their life, even if they can't see it or feel it right now. Give them a peace, Lord, that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day. Thank you.